Well, I am thrilled to be here this morning. Chris uh, asked about uh, about three or four months ago. Um, imagine that he's that he's. I'm telling you, he is that planned out. He's that squared away. He uh, sent a, a list of the messages he has for the entire year and said, "Hey, I have April the 30th available." This is back in January. Um, would you mind filling in? I'm going, are you serious? You have that plan? So anyway, I'm here. I'm, I'm thankful to be here, even with all the mic difficulties. Um, God is still going to get glory, even through the technical difficulties. Amen? Amen. Before we go to the Word, let's go to the author real quick. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you that it is truth. It is life. It is uh, restoring. It is powerful. It's living and active. As we read it, God, we know that it has the ability to read us. And so, Father, I pray that as we talk this morning about having lasting peace and what your word says about peace and what that word means for us today in 2017, Lord, I pray that you would just pierce our hearts. Uh, Father, there may be some in this room that uh, they don't have a relationship with you. They know about you, but they don't know you. There may be some, God, that have been struggling with some some things in their past, and it's time to do business this morning with you. And so, Lord, I pray, Spirit, I pray that you would do your mighty work this morning in the, in the lives of your children. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you notice in the video, the, the gentleman at the beginning was standing on all types of things, relationships and economy and uh, home and work, all those things. And, and it, in times in our lives, that rug that we tend to stand on, that, that thing that we tend to depend on the most, seems to get pulled out from underneath us at just the most incredibly bad time in our lives. It's not a good time for the rug to be pulled out, but seemingly it, it just comes at the absolute worst time. And, and I believe that there is a reason behind um, those rugs being pulled out. Uh, I believe that God's Word teaches that, that we're going to experience difficulties, that we're going to experience troubles. James 1 talks about consider it pure joys when you face various trials. And so he tells us that trials are coming. He tells us that difficulties are going to come our way. And so we need to embrace those. And he goes on to tell us right after that that what that produces in us is maturity. What that produces in us is, is perseverance to go through the, the junk in life. And so what I want to talk about this morning, we're going to start out in Philippians chapter 4. We're going to talk about having peace in the midst of rugs being pulled out from underneath you. We're going to talk about this peace that only God provides us. You know, we have this, we have this idea in our minds that we want this peace that God provides. We want all the good stuff that God provides, but we really don't want to surrender our lives to the person who can give us that lasting peace. We want to do all the things that we want to do. We want to enjoy all the benefits of the life that we want to live, but we have not surrendered our lives, given God, given our Lord, if Lord is going to, if he's really going to be Lord of our lives, he has complete control of our lives. We can't do what we want to do and allow God to have complete ownership of us, but we want the benefits of the peace. And so what I'm going to talk about this morning is for us to to kind of have a, a little paradigm shift, just a, a little click to the right saying, hey, it's not the way that I think it should be. It's what God wants to do and allowing him the availability in my life, in your life, to be able to do those things in your life that provides the peace that we're all looking for. Everybody in this room is looking for peace. Nobody wants tragedy. Nobody wants um, despair. Nobody wants um, all the difficulties that come. 
but they're part of the process. And when we understand that, when we embrace that, it makes life so much easier because, listen, the person who gives us peace is bigger and stronger than any of the junk that we go through. Amen? What's amen, Maggie? Amen. That's what I'm talking about right there. See that? I love this lady right here. She's so sweet. She confirmed. Right on. All right. Very good. All right. If you, if you have your Bible, turn to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to be looking at um, starting in verse 4, Philippians 4, and reading through verse 7. I know that I, I sent them some notes, and it's just said uh, 6 and 7. But let's, uh, let's read verses 4 through 7 in Philippians chapter 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't worry. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Listen to this, verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We've got to understand that if we're going to get the peace that he's talking about here in verse 7, then we have to trust the peace giver. Trust him with every area of your life. You can't experience peace if you don't trust him. Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. And what will he do? He will direct your paths. All right. So we have to trust this peace giver if we want peace in our life. Well, how, how do you do that? It's a great question. Okay. It comes through giving God a shot. It comes through giving God an opportunity to provide that peace in your life. If you try to fix things on your own, you try to manipulate the situations and, and set the outcome the way that you want it to happen, you're really not trusting in the things of God. You've got to say, all right, God, uh, I'm not in control here. This is, this is yours. My life is yours. Remember we talked about if God is going to be Lord of your life, then he has to be in control of your life. You can't do the things that you want to do and expect to experience the kind of lasting peace that he mentions here in Philippians chapter 4. You have to surrender your entire life to Jesus. And, and, and that's scary to some folks. That's scary thinking that, man, I, I don't know what God is going to do in my life. I don't know where he's going to take me. I don't know what he wants me to do. I don't know what it looks like. In reality, you really don't know what your life looks like tomorrow anyway about you being in control. And so the creator of the universe who spoke light into existence, who spoke animals and creation and stars and the moon, if he can say those things and they happen, he's worth trusting your life with. And so it says to trust in him, and he will give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. I know that's a difficult thing to do. That's what we all struggle with is, all right, God, this is yours. We bring it to the altar. I say, God, this is, it's not mine anymore. I can't do it anymore. I can't fix it. I can't control it. I'm giving it to you. And then we get up off our knees after giving it to him, and what do we, temp- what do we typically do? We pick it right back up and go back to our seat and say, God, I really didn't give it to you really didn't give you ownership. I really didn't allow you to be Lord and controller and master of my life in that particular arena. If we're going to get this peace, then we have to trust the peace giver. 
You can't drive forward by looking in the rearview mirror. Hear me? You're going to cause a wreck. You can't go where God wants you to go. You can't experience the things that God wants you to experience by always looking in the past. We talked about in Sunday school this morning that, that there are things in our life that we can't move forward on because we're so focused on the stuff that's happened in the past. We understand that God forgives us, but we don't forget. And that keeps us in bondage. That keeps us hanging on to the past. That keeps us that past like a ball and chain around our ankles and doesn't allow us to move forward. You've got to understand that the God who spoke all those things into existence has the power to forgive those things. And if he can forgive them, then you have to forgive yourself and move on. And, that's, and I know that's difficult. I'm, I'm not preaching to the I'm preaching to the choir because everybody understands that. Y'all understand that that past can be hard. The past can be devastating. The past can be a struggle. And and there's a there's a passage in in Corinthians that talks about taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Christ. If that if that thought is making me hang on to the past, if that thought is making me hang on to the struggles I've had, if that thought is making me not trust God in the future, do you think that came from God? Absolutely not. And so he wants you to get past that. He wants you to say, you know what, hey, that's, that's, not, from, that's not from God. And so if it's not from God, what's, what's, the, what's the only other option? It's from the evil one. So you take that thought captive, you put it in handcuffs, you say, you know what, you've got no place in my life, get out of here. And you start focusing on the things that you need to focus on. And that is peace and love and joy and patience and kindness. Those things, the fruits of the Spirit, those are what you need to focus on. Focus on what God wants you to do in the future, not what Satan has hamstrung you in, in the past with. Does that make sense? All right. We must all suffer. Let's listen to this. I heard this the other day. We're going to suffer two types of pain in our life. Maybe some of you have seen this on Facebook, on Facebook recently. On Pinterest, it says we must all suffer one of two types of pains, the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. The difference in discipline weighs discipline weighs ounces and the pain of regret weighs tons. We're going to experience two types of pains in our life. And we can either experience the, the pain of disciplining ourselves to trust in the things of God, or we can experience the pain of the regret and the tragedy that comes in our lives because we try to be in charge. There has to be discipline in our lives. There's discipline in learning to trust God. How do you do that? Well, it starts one step at a time. Allowing God to have ownership, Lord of your life, in one area at a time. Discipline, discipline, discipline. Sometimes discipline sounds like it's a bad word. Sometimes it sounds negative. But over in Hebrews chapter 12, it talks about God disciplining those what? Those whom he loves. Discipline is a natural process of, of the relationship that God has with us. It's necessary for us to narrow down the focus that we need to have to head towards the things that God wants us to head towards. And he wants us to experience peace. Second thing I want you to see is not only do we have to trust the peace giver, but we've got to forget the past. We do a really good job of hanging on to the stuff that's happened in the past. Turn, just turn back one chapter in Philippians chapter 3. Paul tells us, 
that there, there, there's not a whole lot useful in the past. And there are some good memories. We all have things that we enjoy about our past, or growing up and vacations and friends and grad, all, all those kind of good things. But there's also some things in our past that we really need to let go of. And Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, that our focus doesn't need to be on our past. It needs to be on our future. Listen to this in Philippians 3, starting out in verse 12. And he's talking about right before that, and I encourage you to read this to read this entire book. But this particular instance, in chapter in chapter three, verse seven, Paul is basically saying, "Hey, if there's a reason to be confident in who you are, the things that you've accomplished in your past, I'm the guy. Uh, I've gone through all the training. I'm the Hebrew of Hebrews. I, I am from the direct line. I, I, I'm who anybody would want to be if they were going to put confidence in who they were and what they've done." But this is what he says there, starting in verse 12. He says, not that I've already obtained all of this or have uh, been made perfect, but I know why Chris has, uh, has this iPad. It's a little bit dark. Can you give me a little bit of light there, Fernando? Woo, let there be light. Thank you, sir. He <laughs> says, but I press on to take hold that of which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He says, brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, listen to this, I want you to hear this, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. This is what is ahead of us. If we forget what's in the past and we push on towards what's in front of us, this is what he says is in front of us. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Listen, the past is the past. There is nothing beneficial that's going to help me with my future other than some wisdom that I've gained in the past. He says, my focus needs to be on what's in front of me. Just like I said a second ago, we can't drive forward looking in the rearview mirror. God wants you to focus on what's in front of you. What's in front of you? The whole world. Okay? The whole world is in front of you. What does God want you to do? He wants you to be obedient. What does that look like? That's the beautiful thing of it. God can take you anywhere he wants to take you as long as you allow him the availability, as long as you allow him to be Lord of your life. Your life is an open canvas that God wants to perform a masterpiece on. you. But you have to allow him to be able to do that. Give him, trust him, rely on this peace, forgetting what's behind you, and moving towards what God wants to do in your future. Somebody say, well, I'm, I'm 70 years old. There's not a whole lot, of, whole lot of years left in front of me. It doesn't, listen, there are people that are in their 80s that are still changing people's destiny forever because of the life that they're living, them being obedient, allowing God to speak through them to somebody who needs to be introduced to Christ. You hear what I'm saying? And until God calls you home, you're moving forward. And until God, you stand at the, on the streets of gold and you face him face to face, God still has a plan for your future. And that future is obedience. So not only to get, re- receive this lasting peace, do we need to trust the peace giver? Not, we don't, not only need to forget what's in the past, but we need to focus on, and this is the most difficult thing, we need to focus on this creator of peace. Because what does the world want us to focus on? wants us to focus on the world. wants us to focus on what makes us feel good. wants us to focus on the next new car, the next house, the next whatever, clothing line or shoes or whatever it is. That's what the world wants you to focus on. Jesus is saying, 
I want you to focus on me. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 12 real quick. Hebrews chapter 12, towards the back of your Bible, right before you get to the book of James. Somebody likes my message. That's what I'm talking about. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Hear that? Let's focus on what we need to focus on, getting rid of the stuff that we need to get rid of and the sin that entangles us. Keep going. And it says, let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. There's this journey, there's this process that God's taken us through, this destination he's helping us achieve, but we have to enjoy the process along the way. And the way that we do that, listen to this, verse 2, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not be weary and lose heart. Listen, if we're going to focus on this creator of peace, then we have to fix our eyes on that creator. And you can't fix your eyes on him if you're distracted by everything around you. Can't keep your eyes on him if you're looking at everything around you. And I know that, that tragedy strikes. I know that heartache happens. I know that bills happen and, and, and illness and all those things happen. But listen to me. Scripture is very clear about trusting him in the midst of those situations. We're not meant to be here forever. I'm not talking about the service, the length of time here. I'm talking about on this, I'm talking about this planet. When we're born, we start the process of eventually being introduced to, to, to our Lord and Savior. That's, that's, that's how he designed it. But until that time comes, he's called us to be obedient. And the way that we do that is by keeping our eyes fixed on him. There's a passage over in Mark chapter 4 where Jesus calms a storm. Mark 4:39. He's, he's in the back of the boat sleeping. The disciples are, are scared to death. They think they're going to drown. Jesus, don't you care about us? Jesus gets up, and, and what does he say? He says, peace, be still. And what happens to the storm? What happens to the water? What happens to the waves? I wasn't there, but I had this, I had this, this image in my mind that it got so calm so fast that you could still hear the water dropping off their robes. And the disciples, Scripture says that they were in awe. And they said to themselves, who is this that he even controls the wind and the waves? That's the kind of peace that God wants to give you in the midst of the storms of life that you go through. There was a song a million years ago by the name of Scott Kropain. He says in one line in the song, he says, sometimes God calms a storm. And sometimes he calms his child in the midst of the storm. And so it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. God can cause calmness in your life, but he can also cause you to be calm in the midst of disturbance. He can cause you to be still and trust him in the midst of crazy circumstances. It's, it's learning to keep your focus on what it needs to be focused on. And the way that you do that is by trusting him in every decision of your life, the tragedies, the difficulties, the good times, the bad times. You keep your focus on what it needs to be focused on. God's word is real clear here. It says, let us fix our eyes on him. Fix your eyes on him. What is this right here? This is God's word. 
Okay? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets to the Father through me. John chapter 1, he says, in the beginning was what? The Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. Okay? So if you want to focus your attention on God, guess where's a really good place to start? Right here. Be in the Word. Fall in love with this. If you want to focus on what God wants you to focus on and not your surroundings, not your circumstances, not the struggles of life, you focus on this and this will give you truth. This will give you peace. Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I'm God. Stop. The Hebrew word there actually is the picture of hanging on to the end of a rope, the knots at the end of the rope, and you're just barely hanging on. And the picture that it really means is to let go of that knot at the end of the rope and just trust what God has for you. And that's a difficult thing. Difficult thing for us to, to let go when we're hanging on with everything that we have, hoping that there's going to be some type of respite, there's going to be some type of relief, some type of stability without us having to depend upon God. And God says, stop depending on those things and depend on me. There is a song that was written by a name by a guy named Horatio Spatford. Some of some of you know who that is, and some of you know what the name of the song is. But he was uh, a businessman in Chicago in the 1800s. Very, very, very wealthy man. Chicago Fire happened in 1871 and basically destroyed the majority of his his businesses, all the, the pretty much the wealth that, that he had. Um, devastated his family, all the things that he had worked so hard for. Um, his family decided in, to kind of get away from Chicago. They were going to go to, to England on a, on a trip. The family takes off. Something happened the night before they were to take off, and he had to stay in Chicago to, to finish up a business deal. And his family, his, his daughters and his wife take off, and he's going to meet them um, over there a little bit later. His wife gets to England, and he gets this telegram, and it says two words, saved alone. Is a telegram that he received. The boat, that the ship that his wife and his daughters were on uh, collided with another ship, and the majority of the passengers were, were lost. His, all of his daughters were, were lost. And um, devastated, he, um, he goes to, to England to, to, to be with his wife. But on the way to England to be with his wife, he asked the, the captain of the ship, he says, hey, he says, can you let me know when we're pretty close to the location where the, the ships had the, the shipwreck and, and my daughters were lost? And, uh, and the captain said, absolutely. And so that happens. The captain calls him to the bridge, and he walks out into the ship. And this is what, this is what, the, what God gave him during that moment when he remembered the tragedy that struck his family and lost his daughters. It says, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet through trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate. He hath shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part but the whole, is nailed to the cross, I bear it no more. 
praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. Now, I've not experienced a tragedy that this man had experienced, never lost children like he lost. But a gentleman that can write words like, it is well with my soul through such tragedy, experienced this lasting peace that God's word talks about. His focus was where it needed to be. We have victory, church, because of what Christ has done for us. We have victory because of the relationship that God has provided through his, his son. So it's time for the church, it's time for you and for me to start living a peaceful life. Not problem-free life, but a peaceful life. Because we serve the God who gives us a peace that surpasses all understanding. Listen to the way that Romans chapter 5 t- talks about this. Paul, and again, you don't have to turn there, but just, just, actually what I want you to do is I want you to kind of close your eyes. Don't fall asleep. But I, I, want, you to, I want you to hear what the Word of God says about peace, what Paul says about peace in your life. Listen, listen to this. Therefore, since we have been justified, we have been made right through faith, right with God through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith to this grace which we now stand. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only do we rejoice, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Listen to this, church, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope, listen to this, hope does not disappoint because God has poured out his love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. Listen, tragedy comes, struggles come, trials come so that it produces perseverance and faith and hope in our lives. There is a purpose behind the difficulties. There's a purpose behind the junk that we've gone through in the past. Don't focus on the past. Take those things and rest in this hope, rest in this peace that God gives us. Did you see the last rug, the last thing that the gentleman fell on that provided stability for him in the video? What was it? The only thing that's stable, the only thing that can't be pulled out from underneath you is God. The only thing. Friends will let you down. Business will let you down. Money will let you down. Health will let you down. God is the only thing that will never disappoint. Some of you in this room could stand and and give testimony for hours of how God has proven faithful. Some of you in this room could stand and say, I don't see it, God. I've been disappointed my entire life. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I'm still frustrated. God wants you to trust him. God wants you to trust him. And that happens by you being disciplined and saying, God, I've tried it my way a lot. A whole lot. But I'm willing to give you one more shot willing to give you another chance to prove faithful because he will. 
he will prove faithful to you if you give him an opportunity. If you would, please bow your heads. There may be some in this room this morning that, that, that you're frustrated because your past seems to be your present. Your past seems to be staying with you. In the Old Testament, the altar was a place of forgiveness, a place of restoration. Today's church, the altar is not a very active place. Church, what I want you to do this morning is I... I want to provide you an opportunity to, to come to this altar and, and say, God, I, I don't have a whole lot of peace in my life. But your word says that I can have a peace that surpasses all understanding. I don't know how to get that. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how long it's going to take me to get there. But I want to give you a shot. And so where you're sitting, I invite you to come and, and kneel at this altar and say, God, I'm... I'm giving everything that I have to you. This, this thing called you being Lord of my life, you being in control of my life, I, I really want to give you that. I've been Lord of my life for a lot of years now, and it hasn't worked out so well for me. And so there's, a, there's an invitation to you, church, for you to come and do business with God, for you to leave those things that are holding you back in your past so that you can't focus on your future. This altar is open. The worship team is going to sing. I encourage you to do business with God. Father, I pray that you would search our hearts. Father, I pray that we wouldn't be distracted by what somebody's going to think if I get up. We wouldn't be distracted by the pressure of not going down or going down or whatever it is that would keep us, that voice that says, ah, you really don't need to do that. You really don't need to do business with God. You can do that right there in your seat, and you can. But there's something about the altar that makes it real. Something about the altar that lets God know that you're serious. And so, church, I, God, I pray that you would help, help us to have the strength to be able to do what we need to do this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.